0: Welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KLKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry, the Managing Sports Editor of the Parsons Sun and Chanute Tribune. No guests this week, so it's going to be an all-football edition of The War Room. I'm just going to talk about a little high school football, a little college football, a little NFL, and we're going to get up on out of here. I'm going to burn through this 25 minutes. I'm recording this at 1 a.m. on Monday morning, uh, so you'll be hearing this in just a few hours if you're all, if you're on the radio uh, and uh, it's just going to be me ranting and raving about how about those Kansas State Wildcats beating Oklahoma? How about those Kansas Jayhawks sitting at 4-0? How about those Parsons Vikings sitting at 4-0? And will Labette County finally get off the snide heading into Week 5? I think they will. I'm going to get into all of that here on the War Room on KOKC this morning, and I'm going to start with the Parsons Vikings. Let's look at the game they just had they put a whooping on the Baxter Springs Lions 61 to 8 being the final score just just a demolition of uh put on by the Parsons Vikings this was a game that was never in doubt scored on the first play of the game Jamar in Washington a big run of 60 plus yards I think it was 64. If I remember correctly, 64 yards on the very first play from scrimmage of the game. And that really set the tone. Parsons' defense looked good. This was a Baxter Springs team that was 3-0. Now their competition was really, really weak going in uh to this game with Parsons. But Baxter Springs was 3 0. It's the first time they had been 3-0 ever since I've been here, and I got here in 2014. This is a this is a Baxter Springs team that has struggled mightily. Struggled mightily. Uh, really in the better part of a of a decade plus this is a team that has always been considered a wash and but they were sitting at 3-0 and I thought to myself you know what I think Parsons is going to win this. going into the game I thought Parsons is going to win this game they're coming off a 7 win season where they brought most of everybody back they're 3-0 right now they're looking good I don't see I don't ha- I don't see an issue with Parsons winning this game but I think it might be more competitive than, than in your... I think it's going to be a competitive game. It has a chance to be a competitive game because when you're 3-0, you, you feel good about yourselves. And one of the few aspects of sports that, to me, is an intangible that I can't quantify through data. I can't find an X's and O's reason as to why this, th- this intangible exists, but is that when you're winning things are just going good, and maybe that's why. Maybe that is the answer. Maybe it's just a kind of a chicken or the egg thing where the, things are going good, so you're winning. And, uh, you know, the ball just bounces your way. You catch a few breaks, you, uh, and it gives you more confidence, and you feel good about yourselves. So you play a little harder. You believe a little more. And I thought uh, a Springs Spring seems that has that kind of mentality coming into Parsons. They might give the Vikings a few problems, and I thought, you know what, opening district play, and the max points you can get in district standings when it comes to point differentials, which is one of the tiebreakers, you can only get twenty one uh, added to your point differential in a district game, no matter how much you win by. Which obviously Parsons won by uh, fifty by fifty three on uh, Friday, but they only get plus twenty one uh, to the differential. And does that seem unfair? A little bit, maybe. Yes, but the, the honest truth of that is uh, that you know when you get beyond twenty-one points, a lot of uh, factors start playing into what the margin could be. If you don't have a cap on it, Parsons would have kept their varsity out there for 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 the four quarters and put a hundred on Baxter Springs. And it would have been a bad look for Parsons because it seems like they're running up the score. It would have been demoralizing to a Baxter Springs team that, you know, say what you want about competitiveness. And I fully agree, you know, that, you know, every game should be competitive, you know, and you don't want to ever teach your kids to take the foot off the gas, so to speak. At the same time, you, you want a healthy environment for football And winning a game 100 to, let's say, 8, you know, is not going to be a healthy environment. That is going to breed discontent. That is going to breed hatred. And you don't want that. And secondly, let's say, you know, all of a sudden when you get to the 21, beyond 21 points, third, fourth quarter, you might have teams start to play their JVs and, and take their starters out and throw different lineups up and manage the clock various ways. And that starts to affect point differentials. If you don't have a cap, everybody's just going to be chasing the highest point margin possible to ensure their best outcome. And, you know, that, that, that does not promote player safety. It does not promote fairness. Breeds hatred. The 21-point cap, that is why it exists. So, uh, Parsons gets that against Baxter Springs. But I thought to myself, you know what? Baxter Springs might not get beat by 21. This might be a, a 16, 17, 18 point game, and it might have a detrimental effect on Parsons' season if they win this game by less than 21. And Baxter Springs is, and Baxter Springs might cause some problems for these teams. Yeah, no, that wasn't the case at all. And uh, you know, Parsons' defense got a lot of pressure on their quarterback uh, throughout the year or throughout the game. Uh, this was just a A uh, this was a uh, a difficult uh, display by the part by the Baxter Springs Lions, uh, to say the least. Uh, Very an an indictment on their competition to start the year. But Parsons, man, they really are looking good. I want to roll through some of the stats from this game. Uh, Total offense, Parsons had three hundred sixty yards of total offense. Baxter Springs had ninety nine. The halftime number was 331 yards of offense for Parsons and, and 14 for Baxter Springs. Uh, and Parsons basically played its JV the entire second half uh, when that game was in the bag. Uh, Trey Mack continues to be a very efficient quarterback. I you know He's a guy who trusts each and every receiver he has at his disposal. Uh, Trey Mack completes 8 of 13 passes for 173 yards and three touchdowns. Jamar in Washington nine carries for 96 yards uh, you had you throw in Corbin Harris out there who had five carries 31 yards Demonte Kendrick who had two carries 21 yards uh, uh, receiving Jesse or Jamar in Washington two catches for 86 yards uh, Jesse Jones had two catches for 23 yards uh, you know sh- you know Jesse had two touchdowns in the game a touchdown catch and a punt return for a touchdown uh, but short on yardage that game uh, he entered the game uh I believe, fourth or third in the state of all classes in 11-man in receiving yards uh, per game. So, obviously, Jesse Jones really being one of the most electric receivers in the state, uh, and he has shown why early and often this year. Uh, a very uh, you know exciting time for Parsons. Uh, they have Riverton at home. Uh, non-district game. This is not a district game. Uh, it'll be a non-district home contest against Riverton. Riverton, a team that uh, they've been good in years past. I don't think this team is a slouch. They're a little down this year. Uh, I, ha- I see no problem with Parsons coming out of there uh, with a W. Uh, now I want to look at LeBec County. They are coming off a 52 32 loss uh, to Wellington. Uh, Wellington, a team that uh, is, you know, traditionally plays on a very tough schedule, but they've given LeBec County problems in years past. LeBec County now sitting at 0 4 on the year. Uh, I believe it's 15. 15- Fourteen or fifteen straight losses for the Lebec County Grizzlies. Uh, Just, just you know, tough times in Altamont right now. Uh, They played Pittsburgh very, very tough in week three. They go to Pittsburgh, lose twenty-eight to twenty. A game where Lebec County had opportunities to win that game. Uh, You know, I watched Lebec County march down the field at the end of the first half and score a game-tying touchdown. This is a game where they led six to nothing. This is a game where uh, they they had an opportunity to tie it or even take a lead. Uh, they get it to 21-20. To they score a touchdown to put themselves within a point. Line up for the two-point conversion, but after Kendall Holtzman had scored uh, the uh, the touchdown, he gets flagged for an unsportsmanlike conduct. Pushes the two-point conversion back 15 yards, and LeBec County can't convert. That kept the score at 21-20. That that penalty, I think, stymied a lot of momentum that LaBette County had. Pittsburgh marches down the field, gets it to 28-20. That was the final score. It's uh, still a one-score game. Pittsburgh played very tough in that atmosphere. Uh, or I'm sorry, Lebet County played very tough on a road atmosphere at Pittsburgh. Uh, and you, you thought, all right, they're taking a step in the right direction. They score 34 points against a Wellington team. Offense is finally starting to click a little bit. They also played competitively against Parsons. That was a much closer game against Parsons than some people thought. I always thought that game had an opportunity to be competitive. One thing that Jeff Scheibe, the head coach of Parsons, told me was that the Labette, that Lebet County team is the best team they've played all year so far. Does Labette County now get off the snide when they've Fort Scott here in Week 5? I am picking the Labette County Grizzlies to beat Fort Scott in Week 5. This Fort Scott team is 1-3 right now. This will be the opening to league play. I'm going to say right off the rip, the Chanute Blue Comets are going to win the SCK League. It'd be a stag. Gunner, if anybody else did. The only team that's going to give that could give Chanute any sort of problems in the league is Coffeeville. They are sitting at 4 0 right now. Coffeeville sitting at 4 and 0 uh and this is a Coffeeville team looking very good under uh, Demo- uh under uh you know uh, coach Wade over there uh in uh in Montgomery County. This is a team that has an 8-0 overtime win over Mulvane. Uh 32-27 win over Winfield, 34-19 win over Columbus, and a f- dominant 42-13 win over the Rivals Independence. the Montgomery County Showdown over there. Uh, I think, you know, Coffeeville is sitting at 4-0. You can never dismiss an undefeated team. Uh, Coffeyville is going to have Wamigo next, then they'll have Labette County, both on the road. Then they'll play Chanute on October 14th. That Chanute game likely going to be the SEK League title game uh, for all intents and purposes, but uh, you know, outside of Coffeeville, Chanute, one of the top four A schools in the state right now. I don't see a problem with them winning the league. Going back to Levet County now with this Fort Scott team, the Fort Scott team sitting at one and three. Uh, they lost to Payola twenty-eight to six, lost to Butler thirty to eight, narrowly beat Independence twenty-one to twenty. The score I'm looking at right now was their ver- this past week. They lose to Pittsburgh thirty-four to eight. Pittsburgh, a team that just isn't what it was. Pittsburgh sitting at two. And two this season, both wins over Labette County and Fort Scott. Uh, Pittsburgh running a veer offense, nothing spectacular to look at. No, 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 flashing lights, no uh, tricks up their sleeve. Pittsburgh is what you get, and they hang 34 points on Fort Scott. I think for I think Labette County uh, and their offense uh, can can come close to matching the production that Pittsburgh dig, and if Labette County's defense can limit Fort Scott. Uh, which Fort Scott, you know, they, they've been held to single digits in three of their four games. And then their only time they scored 20 or more was that one point win over independence where they gave up 20 to an independence team that just hasn't looked good this year. I think LeBec County pulls off the win and gets uh and gets a win on the road at Fort Scott this week. I have Lebet County finally snapping the streak uh this week. Uh let's take a quick break here on KOKC Radio here on the War Room. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Don't go anywhere. All right, we are back here on the Warzone here on KLKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. How about the Kansas Jayhawks being 4-0, huh? How about the Kansas Jayhawks? 4-0 and sitting in first place in the Big 12. Uh, just an incredible start uh, to the season uh, for for Kansas. Uh, four wins to start the year. they they coming off the win over Duke. I guess they're not in first in the Big 12 right now. Actually, yes, they are. They beat West Virginia. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, why do I have a radio show? Um, uh, Open the year with a dominant win over Tennessee Tech. Beat West Virginia in overtime. traveled to Houston, get a road win by 18. Then they beat Duke in front of a sold out home crowd uh, this past uh, this past week this past weekend. Unbelievable start for the Kansas Jayhawks. Everybody who cashed it on that over two and a half win bet to start the year really just raking in the dough right now. Lance Leipold one got to be one of the Coach of the Year candidates right now. Uh, it's fun. This is fun. This is healthy for the state of Kansas and Kansas football. Uh, You know, I cannot, you know, how exciting is the Sunflower Showdown going to be this year? Uh, Jalen Daniels, uh, you know, completing uh, 66 of 93 passes, 890 yards this year. He has 11 touchdowns and one interception. He's only been sacked once. Just an incredible quarterback. He's leading the team in rushing, too, at 320 yards. Lawrence Arnold, their leading receiver. Gotta love that name if you're a Jayhawk. Uh, Rich Miller, a great linebacker leading in tackles uh, at 31 this year. This has been a team that has impressed. One of the highest scoring offenses in the country right now, uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, Just really, really looking just fantastic to start the year. It is fun to watch. Um, It is a healthy thing. Uh, Looking at their schedule going ahead now, it it is going to harden up they've got Iowa state they they have two straight home games. Iowa State and TCU winnable games. These are winnable games for for KU. These are very very winnable games. Iowa State coming off a 31 to 24 loss to Baylor. They were 3 0 to start the year before that. That 10 to 7 win over Iowa not looking great, but a 43 to 10 win over Ohio, they opened the year with a 42 to 10 win over Southeast Missouri State. Uh, Iowa State, a winnable game. Going to be a tough game. Uh, Easton Dean rocking over there for the Cyclones, a LeBec County graduate. He is a tight end on their roster. Uh, Always will be fun to see. It'll be fun to see a Kansas product in Lawrence uh, playing uh, for Iowa State. Uh, Should be a fun atmosphere. Easton Dean, two catches for 23 yards this year so far. Then they got TCU uh at home that'll probably be the easier of the two between iowa state and tcu in my opinion then they travel to norman then they travel to waco to play for oklahoma and baylor respectively there then they're at home against oklahoma state they've got three ranked teams in a row after their next two games so this kansas team could be six and oh they'll be ranked at that point as well they narrow. they're not in the rankings right now if kansas is six and oh going into norman They're going to be ranked. That's going to be a ranked showdown in Norman between Oklahoma and Kansas. Who would have saw that coming? That was supposed to be Oklahoma's week of reprieve in the middle of October. All of a sudden, Oklahoma, who who just got done staring down the barrel of a loss to Kansas State, now will be staring down the barrel of a ranked matchup between them and Kansas in the middle of October if Kansas can take care of Iowa State and TCU. That road trip to Waco is going to be tough. Baylor has been a tough team this year. They are sneaky, sneaky good. Uh, and then Oklahoma State, sitting at number nine in the country right now, that'll be at home in Lawrence. Uh, and then they wrap up the year traveling to Lubbock. This is a Lubbock team that just beat the Texas Longhorns. Uh, then they're at home against Texas, and then the final game of the year, the Sunflower Showdown, on November 26th at Manhattan in Manhattan against the Kansas State J- uh, Kansas State Wildcats. I almost said Kansas State Jayhawks there, and I would have lost. They they would have t- they would have come in and and, and disown me from. The K State community there. Uh, let's move on to Kansas State coming off that huge, massive upset win on the road in Norman. And I'll tell you what, that loss to Tulane stings right now for Kansas State because Kansas State now ranked number 25 in the AP poll uh, after that road win at then number six, Oklahoma 41 to 34, the final score in Norman at 17 to 10. Home loss to Tulane is a brutal sting pill to swallow right now, uh, because Kansas State would be, probably be sitting like 15th right now. They'd probably be sitting in the top 15 at undefe- with an undefeated record, and the rest of the Big 12's wait to follow. So let's, let's play a thought exercise. Let's say Kansas State ran the table. Let's say Kansas State had run the table, they'd have been undefeated, and they probably would have had a, a shot at a college football playoff berth had they won the Big 12 title. But instead, they could run the table the rest of the way, even win a Big 12 title, and probably not get in because that loss to Tulane is too damning. They would need some chaos up at the top. They would need Alabama to go eat two losses for them to have a chance. Uh, Texas Tech. Coming up next for the Wildcats at home in Manhattan, Kansas State has to take control of that game. Adrian Martinez looked very good against Kansas State after looking like maybe one of the worst transfers in the country against Lane. Uh, he comes out post the game of his life. Remember, this is a this was an Oklahoma team that Nebraska under Adrian Martinez took uh, uh, took uh, a a huge shot against Oklahoma when Nebraska was there last year. Uh, you know, Taylor Martinez finishes this game with Kansas State in the 41-34 to win over Oklahoma. He throws for 234 yards and a touchdown. He runs for 148 yards and four scores. And this guy put on a show that third down conversion on third and 16 with just over 230 to play. Un- not a design run, by the way. He just improvised and gets down inside the 10-yard line, keeps the clock running. That is what put the icing on the cake. Uh, For that game, just a fantastic performance by Kansas State. Now, on the flip side, as much as that Tulane lost things, it's not a Big 12 game. Kansas State's still firmly in control of its route to a Big 12 title, uh, and it's looking a lot more pretty now after a road win at Oklahoma. You have got to think, outside of a trip to Waco and a home matchup against Oklahoma State, the rest of your games seem very, very winnable. Uh, and it'll be and, and every game is winnable at this point, but Kansas State will be favored in every game going forward, except for potentially those two—a home matchup against number nineteen, number nine Oklahoma State, and a road trip to Waco. Uh, that's a tough one, but think about it—they only have two ranked teams left on their schedule, and one of them's at home. Can't ask for a much better draw on that. Uh, we'll wrap up uh, the war room today with a little bit of Chiefs talk, coming off a difficult loss to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, this was. Uh, a top survivor pool pick. The Chiefs were in a lot of uh, scenario in a lot of pools this week. Uh, Indianapolis Colts stunned the Chiefs 20 to 17. Uh, in Yahoo Sports, that win knocked out 35.3 percent of entries in survivor pools. Uh, the Chargers were the second most popular pick this year with 24 uh, percent. You know the Colts trailed all of the second half. Uh, Patrick Mahomes led. You know, Patrick Mahomes looked good at times, but the offense has looked, you know, stagnant at times as well. Patrick Mahomes' first interception of the year was with the Chiefs, about 10 yards away from field goal position with uh, eight seconds left. Just a difficult loss for the Chiefs. Uh, Mahomes finishes 20-35 to for 262 yards and a touchdown and an interception. Touchdown came at the end of the first quarter. He found Travis Kelsey. Uh, Matt Ryan was 27-37 to for 222 yards and two scores. Just a difficult loss for the Chiefs, but for nobody should be pushing the panic button on the Chiefs. They're two and one with what is, in my opinion, the hardest schedule in the in the league uh, to open the season. So let's look at their schedule. They started the year obviously with a big win. On the road at Arizona. Arizona, not a bad team. A team that many feel will make... I mean, a team that's probably going to make the playoffs in the NFC. And Kansas City just rolled them 44-21 to on the road to start the year. Great opening salvo. Kansas City survives a tough matchup with the Chargers. Uh, The Chargers are going to be the thorn in the Chiefs' side. Justin Herbert, just such a great quarterback... The Chiefs survived that game. The Chargers probably paid better that, played better that game on by the eye test. If you watched that game without ever knowing what the score was, you probably thought the Chargers won it. But the Chiefs come out of that game with a win, and, and that shows how creative the Chiefs can be, how much metal they have. Then they, a difficult loss to the Colts. Again, this was a Colts team that was one win away from the playoffs last year. I understand the Colts were coming off a twenty-four to nothing loss to the Jaguars, but. Colts still a good team. They have one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the NFL, and Jonathan Taylor. uh, It's either him or Derrick Henry. And uh, it was in Indianapolis. uh, The Chiefs, you know, to start 3-0, not many teams start 3-0. There were only a, a handful of unbeatens going into the year. Uh, you know, coming out of this week, you have the Dolphins at three zero, who beat Buffalo two one. I think a lot of people had Buffalo winning that game. Uh, nobody in the AFC West is undefeated, so the Chiefs still sitting in first place. Uh, nobody in the AFC North undefeated, so the only undefeated team left in the AFC is uh, is uh, is freaking Miami. And how about this? The Jaguars sitting at two and up, two and one. By the way, Jaguars getting a win, getting a thirty eight to ten win over the Chargers just a crazy crazy week in the AFC this was the week to lose for the Chiefs uh they you know they maintain a first place uh grip on the AFC West can't be too unhappy about that looking on the NFC the Eagles are three and0 the Giants are two and0 but they play the Cowboys on Monday Night football uh nobody else is undefeated there are three undefeated teams left and one of them plays tomorrow so the Giants might lose. If the Giants lose to the Cowboys, there'll only be two, one in each conference. Chiefs, they're fine right now. Looking ahead, though, that's where it's going to get dicey because they have the Bucs on the road next week. This will be a Sunday night game. The Chiefs at the Buccaneers. Then, then the schedule, maybe do you consider it an easing when the Raiders come into town to face the Chiefs um, on Monday on Monday night. Then the Chiefs, host the Bills, that's going to be a shootout. The Bills feeling like Arrowhead is just their kryptonite. we got to remember that divisional round last year. The Bills want revenge off that. Then the Chiefs travel to San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco, a team that's good, not great, probably a bit of a step down for the Cardinals compared to the Cardinals. That's going to be the most comparable game on the schedule. You're talking about an NFC opponent uh, going to the West Coast. Chiefs should win that game. They'll be favored in it. 49ers, not an easy not an easy out, though. Then the Chiefs come back home to face the Titans. Then the Chiefs are at home to face the Jags. Jags sitting at two and one right now. They're in first place in their division. How can you count that out? Then the Chiefs travel to LA. Then they host the to face the Chargers. Then they host the Rams. Then they're at the Bengals. Then they're at Denver. Then they then they're at Houston. Houston, a team that has looked better than advertised, even though they're, well, they're 0-2-1. They played the Broncos within a touchdown, only lost by a field goal to the Bears, and tied with the Colts, a team that the Chiefs just lost to. Uh, then, you, after that Texans game, they're hosting the Seahawks. That's probably the easiest game left on the schedule, and it's on Christmas Eve. This is a tough schedule for the Chiefs. They're sitting at 2-1 right now. They're going to be fine. Uh, that'll do it for the War Room here on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Everybody stay safe, guys.